Welcome to the Reality Check Podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. In today's episode, I want to talk about what happens when you share your trauma. So since starting this podcast and my blog, um, and now releasing my book, I've basically I've used those outlets to talk about mental health and mental illness and recovery. And I've done that through sharing my story. Now, you know, I've come from a fairly traumatic upbringing. My father was a drug addict, um, a dealer, paranoid schizophrenic and a chronic hoarder. Growing up in his household was quite traumatic. I, I found myself quite scared a lot of the time, not, not because of his hand or anything that he did directly to me, but due to his clientele, um, the people that would come around and purchase from him. I've shared various stories in different places about what's what actually happened and what has happened to me, but a summary would be, you know, a lot of neglect and interspersed with physical and sexual trauma. I wanted to take this opportunity to talk about the impact and what happens when you share your story. So the first thing I want to talk about is, is why I why I decided to share. Well, even before that, I suppose, why I decided to write it down in, in the first place. If, if you do go down the path of writing down your your past and the traumas that you've gone through. For me personally, it's it's a double-edged sword, but it's been the best thing. So I'll clarify that. I found that prior to writing, and even up until this day, I, I've, I struggle with my memory of my past. I struggle to remember what happened and how I felt at the time. Or Yeah, my memory's atrocious. And I put that down basically to dissociating um, away when bad stuff was happening. I would, I would go into my mind and away from the physical moment because it was safer there. So through writing, it's effectively a good release and a good way to, to heal. When I would write, I would start writing and memories would come and I would discover things about myself and my past that... I suppose I didn't know were there. Upon reflection, it, you know, I verified the stuff that I've I remember, and it and it makes sense. But the act of writing drew out some of my past that I had hidden for myself. Why I say it's a double-edged sword is because when you write it down, you're 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 sort of like I analogize it to a dam breaking. You might, you know, every so often you you release some of the built-up water and it lets go. But by writing, you're sort of helping that process along. And sometimes something will come into your memory that has been repressed for a while, but it's sort of the act of writing now sort of forces you to address it. It, it brings it into focus. It's sort of like, hey, well, all right, you're ready, to, you're ready to look at this or remember this event of the past? Here you go. So... It, it it can be a bit of a roller coaster in the sense that something new will pop up that I didn't know was there, and now I'm forced to deal with it. So, for anyone that you know, I'll always encourage people to write to heal. But before you do, make sure you've got people around you or support mechanisms of some description in place, because there's a real risk that you'll uncover things that you weren't expecting or you didn't know that were there. That being said, 
I'm a believer that those things are still impacting me from behind the scenes. So I'd like to see them out in front and know what I'm dealing with. But on the other side of things, things have popped up and it's sort of destroyed me for a day or two. I've been horribly depressed and thank God I've got a loving wife and friends close to me that I can rely upon to sort of cheer me up and pull me out of it. Because if I didn't have them, I, I'm i not sure what would have happened. So be warned, but also consider it as a um, potential way to, to start uncovering the past. In terms of the method, I would just get a pen and paper and free write at the start and just let, let sort of things and emotions flow and just write down what came to my mind. And after a while of doing that, I started to be able to write some poetry and then from there to writing a coherent story. So anyway, from, from that perspective, I decided to share, share that with the world because talking with my psychologist and some friends that I've shared a small bit of the work with, they suggested that there, there might be some benefit in sharing my story with people because they would be able to make sense of, of stuff that's happening to them or to the people around them. And and they were right. By sharing my story, I've had a lot of people approach me saying that I've helped them to understand their condition or their partner's condition better than their partner could explain it to them or better than a psychologist could explain it to them. Because through my writing and my personal experience, they're able to get a different perspective on it and see it from a different sort of maybe a detached light. I've also had people say to me that my example of writing has helped them to start writing and then subsequently start healing. So for me, that's that's an amazing motivating factor. I've I'm still sort of still sort of a bit of a twilight zone thing when people say that what I'm doing is helping them because I truly hope it is. But it's it's I suppose for me, my story and what I'm doing is just mundane. But they see it for a bit more a bit more of a novelty and. They consider it brave, but f for me to share it, but for me, it's, I don't know, it's something that just feels like I have to do it. So the other thing I wanted to address is the reaction of people close to me. So some people, some friends have read it and were quite surprised by the reaction, suggesting that, you know, well, you know, I seem so normal. How, I, they couldn't imagine that that sort of stuff has happened to me. And I can see why they see that people would think that growing up, I got very good at hiding my emotions and, you know, acting basically, um, because it was, I sort of had to do that to survive. I had to do that to sort of get by at school and sort of became the norm. So I'm, I'm fairly apt at, um, just sort of blocking my own emotions off and just putting on a show or putting on, putting a, f a front on. And we all do that. Like, let's say you're having a bad day and you have to go to work. You'll you'll put it aside and act until you're not at work anymore. Um, and I think I've just honed that skill. But more importantly, since releasing it, a lot of people that I wouldn't have predicted would have similar issues or similar upbringings or pasts to mine have come out and shared their story with me. And some of them I would never have guessed. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I can, by sharing, I can start connecting with people and giving them an outlet and sort of showing other people that might be going through a similar thing that it's okay to talk about and it's okay to share. So I'm glad that I can provide a little bit of um, healing in that regard. And and I suppose the, the final thing that I wanted to address is my family's reaction. 
So in my book, primarily, it's obviously about my father and the stuff that happened. And and I've had this from sort of people that used to know my father. They they wouldn't they knew him, you know, back in the day before I was born or when I was very young, when he was a lot more functional and a lot less um stoned all the time, basically. You know, he would he would he was the stories they say suggest that he was quite an amazing person. But the person that I knew, the person that I grew up the son of got progressively worse and worse and worse until it became when I was in his household, just him just progressively getting more stoned and just sitting there, not true catatonic, but sort of just very lacking emotional responses, very lacking doing much of anything really other than just getting high. And my family members never saw that side of him because when my mum and my father broke up, a lot of them just didn't see my dad again, basically, until, you know, a couple of months before he died when he came to my um, engagement party, you know, and when he came then, it was actually, in the in the last year of his life, he was sort of, I was able to connect with him a little bit more and I was a bit more mature and I wasn't, you know, it was sort of a bit more of an adult relationships. But I suppose what I'm getting at is, for the most part, the the people in my family only ever saw him prior to his worst. So they've said things that are basically like, yeah, but that's not what he was like. But to me, that's what he was like. That That's who I knew him for. I knew him as the person I knew him for. So I guess it taught me, it taught me a bit of a lesson suggesting that it's, it's, it could be a bit confronting for them, obviously, um, me suggest showing or suggesting another side of my father that they didn't know. But that being said, it is still my reality. And, and I suppose this leads to a bigger thing, um, that I've heard that when people come out sharing their trauma or their experiences of sexual assault or sort of anything that's quite emotionally significant, there's a lot of denial and a lot of, yeah, but that didn't really happen that way. A lot of victim blaming, a lot of all that sort of stuff. Because people don't want to change their opinions. It's too it's too confronting. It's too hard to to change how you view someone. You know, if, if you found out that a famous person that you really admired was, you know, sexually assaulting people, you now have, you've now got a bit of cognitive dissonance. Either, the, either you have to change your opinion change your opinion of the person and fit in that sexual assaulting into your narrative of that person, or you have to disbelieve the victims because you want to maintain what you believe this famous person, you know, and I think the prime example of that would be Bill Cosby. He was quite famous and for being such a caring, loving person. And then all of the sexual assault allegations came out and, you know, there's, there's so many people that you could apply this same logic to, but basically, yeah, you know, if this happens in a household or for a famous person, everyone that knows that person now has to try and integrate that new information of that person into the worldview of them. And some people will accept your word and some people won't accept your word. And I think that's where a lot of the fear of coming out and sharing your story comes from, because there is a real risk that you'll lose friendships or family members or that people won't believe you. So I guess 
if you are considering sharing your story, be aware that people, some people just won't believe you or some people will believe, will think that you're overstating things or some people believe that you're making stuff up or that you're looking for attention and all that sort of stuff. That, that will be a thing that happens. Um, you know, and I suppose once, once more, it's, that's probably a thing with mental illness in general. Um, it's hard to see someone's suffering internally. If someone says they're, they're depressed or anxious or suicidal or self-harming or anything like that, and you look at them, you can't see that. You, you can't see someone's internal suffering. So it's very easy to go, yeah, but you're fine, because to integrate their suffering into your worldview is, is a hard thing to do. So, so just be aware that that might happen, I suppose, if you decide to share your story. The final thing I wanted to, to address is the follow-up to, to my book. So people um, that have read my story can see, you know, can, can, can see that I've come quite far. I, I moved out of home at 15 and to basically escape the home life that I was having. Um, I ended up finishing university um, to become a teacher, and now I'm I'm happily married with a young son. We've got a small business, and obviously I've got the book and podcast and that sort of stuff that I've got going on. So people are asking, well, how do you, how did you come from where you are, where you were, to where you are now? And you know, I, I've I've shared on you know my videos and other areas that you can check out small snippets of what I've done, for example, the mental health checklist or meditation and exercise and that sort of stuff. But I've had a couple of people asking that I should write a book that puts into place, sort of really outlines exactly what I do to to get and maintain an upward trend of mental health. So I've decided to do that and I'm getting my way through it at the moment, I'm getting my, my thoughts down on paper of, I'm gonna, I'm gonna basically split it into two parts. What I do in the moment when I'm feeling anxious or depressed. So for a quick example might be a present state awareness grounding exercise where you, you know, take a breath and focus on what you can see, hear, touch, taste and smell. And that way you sort of get out of the, out of your brain and into the moment. So that would be an example of an in the moment, um, in response to anxiety fix. But I'll also put in there what I do on a day to day or an ongoing basis. So, for example, each day I try to meditate, I try to exercise, I will um, try to put some writing down on a page. Um, in the morning, I'll make sure not to not to look at social media or go online until after I've gone for my morning run. And I'll talk about the reasons why, but basically, very quickly, that's because, you know, you go online and people, you can read something or hear something or see something that's sort of paints a picture negatively for the rest of your day. And then you're dealing with that as opposed to framing your day with something good at the start, which for me is a, you know, a run or a meditation session. So I'll keep you updated on that one, but expect that to come maybe sometime towards the end of the year. It'll be, I'm not sure what the title will be, and maybe you guys can throw some suggestions for me, but it'll be a book on how I stay relatively sane and sort of keep trying to trend upwards. Thanks for listening, guys. And if you want to follow me on social media, um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Zach P. Phillips. You can also head over to my website at Zachary-Phillips.com. From there, you can see links to my blog, podcast, and book, as well as um, I've just updated my recommended um, books. So on that section... 
I think I've called it recommended reading or recommended books, but on that section of my website, I've got a bunch of different books, um, the photos of the covers online, and you can check out the books that have changed my life. And I've got a small description, like a, a sentence or two underneath of the main lesson that I learned from them. And they're all click throughable links to the Amazon store. And if you decide to purchase one of those books, um, it, it actually helps to support the podcast at no extra cost to you. A small percentage of the sales will um, be given back to, to supporting. So yeah, check them out and let me know what you think. Thanks.